Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Well, hello and welcome to episode 112 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. Michaela, we are at 112 episodes and it's time to finally talk about uh, one of the best one of the longest movies around uh, comes in two parts. It came on two tapes. They wouldn't even air it all in the same day on TV. They would have to like break it up because they said, nope, you know what? Advertisers don't want this much. But we were talking today about the sound of music, uh, the musical of musicals, some would say. But how are you doing, Michaela? How has your week been going? What are you getting up to? Are you packed up? We have a special trip coming up. We do. We do. We are uh, going across the south to the baked clay sand of florida to go see mickey and you're you're selling you're selling it this sounds good this sounds great (laughs) this sounds amazing um no we are doing our uh gosh i think it's going to be our third trip together uh to Mm -hmm. disney world Mm -hmm. um the last time we went and did the parks though we it was before the pandemic so where i'm a little nervous i'm a little excited um because i know things have definitely changed um so yeah Uh, Very exciting stuff. Um, Started to uh, really zone in on the Oscar uh, films. Um, I finally saw Don't Worry Darling, which had a lot of Oscar buzz. And then it came out and it had a lot of controversy around like the cast and all that. And so I missed Mm -hmm. it in the theaters, but it's on HBO now. And so I was able to see that. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was interesting. I know you um, actually co-hosted a, a podcast episode um for that film right so what did you yeah. what did you think about it yeah that's right yeah it was a guest on uh, galaxy of film uh one of our uh friends uh podcasts there to talk about that so i saw it in the theater pretty close to release time and and yeah i had a lot of a lot of buzz uh going on about that uh, going into it, then, yeah, there was a bunch of uh, controversy and and things. Um, I thought that the movie was uh, it had it had some definite definite uh, positives in it. Uh, Florence Pugh is in it, which is a positive for any movie uh, that she's in because she's amazing. Um, yeah. So that was good. Um, I thought that it looked great. I thought that the the story kind of in theory was interesting, um, but mm-hmm. the ex- execution of that was uh, a little sloppy. But I still think it's probably worth um, checking out if you're into, you know, that kind of genre of movie just to just to see Florence Pugh act because that's always a, a really great time. So uh, check it out. Yeah, it's available on HBO and uh, you can get into that and and see what you thought. And it actually did pretty well in the theater because I think people were very uh, intrigued by the uh, drama kind of surrounding it and mm. to see if this was really going to be a dumpster fire or a a stroke of brilliance. Uh, I don't know. You'll have to decide for yourself. So so check that out. Um, what did I what did I get up to? I watched The Last of Us uh, premiered on HBO uh, last night as of uh, recording. Uh, apparently a lot of people were watching because my stream was a little uh, intermittent, uh, so to speak, but I uh, thought that it was a really great start to a really great story that I like a lot and uh, very excited to see how this series uh, uh, takes shape as we go here over the next uh, eight or so weeks. So I yeah. uh, got into that and yeah, now it's just time to uh, pack for the uh, the bright sun of Florida and get ready to, uh, you know, to get to Disney and uh, take in some more movie magic there. So, uh, you know, Michaela, we're we're talking movie magic, and there's definitely some of that in The Sound of Music. But, you know, to get into this uh, lengthy one, we're going to need a drink. So why don't we take a quick break, and we will be right back to whip up this week's cocktail. So this week's cocktail comes from Volver, or Volver. I don't know which uh, pronunciation is correct, but it's a restaurant bar. I think it's going to be Volver because it sounds very bougie. Um, But it's at the Kimmel Cultural Campus in Philadelphia, PA. Um, Mm -hmm. It is a special drink that they did just for the screening of Sound of Music. I think it's called My Favorite Things, which is interesting because uh, some of these things are definitely on the list of favorite things, and some of these I've never even heard before. So... Um, maybe they're on the new list of favorite things. They might be on the new list. This, this was a really fun cocktail. Uh, it's a little esoteric. It's got some, some ingredients that you might have to go and find. I 
definitely know this starts with two dashes of black walnut bitters. Uh, I know, Brian, you had to go on a mission and find that. So if you know you want to mm-hmm. make this, I do think that that's important to the drink. Um, I would I would really suggest go finding it and getting it or ordering on Amazon or something like that. Um, the black yeah. walnut piece is important for later. Yeah, that's right. It has a very um, distinct kind of uh, taste and smell. It has kind of this very like... Um, I don't know, like the sultry earthiness. It was, uh, it was really nice, really luscious. Um, and your uh, liquor store or cocktail store, or, uh, whatever uh, grocery store might have black walnut bitters. Um, they're not super uncommon, but I did end up, I just ordered some online. I didn't even bother going out to try to hunt them down. So yeah. uh, pick up a bottle of those. Um, it's bitter, so it's going to last you forever. And yeah, you're going to use a couple of dashes of that in this drink, um, as well as a half ounce of honey syrup, which is just a simple syrup that is made uh, with honey instead of uh, regular table sugar. So just equal parts honey and water. Uh, bring that to a uh, low boil, let it uh, dissolve, and you're good to go with your honey syrup. A half ounce of that, uh, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice, and then one ounce of a very special uh, product from Dolan called Dolan Genipe. Uh, Michaela, you were able to find that at your liquor store. Uh, you have a good liquor store near you, so they have a lot of a lot of really strange and uh, interesting uh, liquors and uh, things like that. So they actually uh, had this. So they did. Um, and it's beautiful. It comes in like a green bottle. It's, it's like a mix between an absinthe and like a vermouth is what mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of like the bottle. Um, because it just, it looks really bougie and just beautiful. And it's this lovely green color. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, but it is hard to find, uh, apparently they, they had a bottle or two of it uh, and they said that we were lucky, um, because they only get it once every quarter or something because, uh, it's, it's kind of a special, a special product. So, uh, you might have to order that as well somewhere, but it's worth it. Um, <laughs> and I don't really know what the substitution would be. Yeah. So I was doing a little bit of uh, digging on that and it said that, uh, you could kind of substitute, uh, yeah, it's kind of like a, like a halfway between uh, an absinthe and like a chartreuse. You could probably use like a Lilit Blanc, um, perhaps in that, or you could probably even just use um, a really nice uh, bottle of vermouth. That's mostly what I knew uh, Dolan uh, from, uh, was uh, just their their sweet and dry vermouths. Um, but yeah, so check this one out if you can. If not, uh, you know, you can kind of get close with uh, some of those other kind of uh, French aromatic uh, liqueurs are going to get you kind of roughly in the same ballpark. So I'm uh, going to take one ounce of that uh, into the shaker tin and then two ounces of uh, cognac, uh, you know, dealer's choice, whatever uh, cognac you have on hand. And then you're going to shake that and strain it into a coupe glass. Uh, they actually garnish theirs and uh, here at uh, Volver with some fennel. We didn't have any uh, fennel prawns, so we just drink it uh, straight up, put a dash of the black walnut butters on top to kind of bring out that aroma and uh, drank it. And I don't know, Michaela, this was, this was delicate as a, as a flower in an Austrian field, I will say. Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, it was surprisingly good. I was a little worried about this Dolan Genepi because I'd never had it before. And, and cognac, you know, cognac, it, it, it scared me growing up because I thought it was for just old men in Hitchcock films, but, mm. um, or in the movie Clue with their bodies flying everywhere, right? With, so with a giant brandy snifter and a cigar, right, right. you just have yeah, yeah. So I was a little afraid of uh, cognac-based drinks, but we've done quite a few of them in our tenure here at Drink the Movies in the 112 episodes, and. I have to say this was very different than what I expected it to be. It was very delicate. It was um, just sweet enough that honey syrup really comes through. It was a beautiful color. And I really think uh, that really depends on the type of honey that you get. If you get kind of a lighter honey or a darker honey, your color is going to be dramatically changed by that. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, it was really tasty. And um, I definitely think you want to... um, drink it when it's still cold. It gets a little weird if it warms up. Uh, we had, mm. I had more than one of these. So the first one was I drank nice and cold. The second one I let sit for a little bit and it got um, more kind of syrupy as it okay. warmed. Okay. And mm-hmm. so I would recommend making sure that you drink it when in a nice uh, cold coupe glass and and don't let it sit. <laughs> yeah. Just drink yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. That is why the sound of music has an intermission. It's so you can mix up another one of these and keep them nice and cold. But but yeah, the the honey and lemon uh, really kind of 
blend well together and it highlights um, kind of those more aromatic uh, springtime uh, floral notes of that uh, Dolan Genepi and then the cognac just gives it a really nice kind of body uh, backing to it. So so this was really good. Um, and then the honey syrup is super versatile. You can use that in a bunch of uh, recipes. You can use it as a stand-in for just your regular simple syrup, which is going to change uh, the way your cocktails taste a little bit. And, you know, you can play around with that with different honeys and things like Michaela said. So uh, definitely give this one a shot, as, you know, especially if you want to be uh, transported to uh, Salzburg, Austria. It's going to take you right there for sure. So uh, give one of these a try. Take pictures. Send in because it was a lovely looking drink and uh now now Michaela we've we've got one of these we better we better mix up a, another one or two because this is this is a lengthy one uh and we're going to need to to stay hydrated if you know keep the keep the vocal cords that's right. uh, lubricated if, if that's we're right. gonna go to make it through this one so Absolutely. why don't we take a why don't we take a quick break and we'll be back to chat about this week's film the sound of music the spoiler warning for the sound of music we're going to talk all about the things. Yeah, so in all seriousness, spoiler warning for The Sound of Music. If you've not seen this, I'm sorry. It's been around since rocks have been soft. There's no excuse. But if you've not seen it and you don't want us to tell you how this three and a half hour uh, anthem and epic film uh, goes, then you should press pause. You should go make yourself a My Favorite Things cocktail with the amazing Dolan Genepi. And uh, then watch the film, come back, press play, and we can chat about all the things Sound of Music. That's right. Thank you for that uh, intro there, uh, Sister Michaela. Uh, we do uh, do appreciate that. So um, even if you've not seen The Sound of Music, I guarantee you that you've probably heard at least like I don't know, like four of these songs. Uh, I would almost be willing to uh, to wager money on it. But uh, yeah, so this came out in 1965. It was directed by Robert Wise, and it stars Julie Andrews as Maria. Uh, she is a singing nun. Uh, and Christopher Plummer as Captain George Von Trapp, who is the uh, grumpiest uh, Von Trapp, and then the nicest and sweetest uh, captain in the land uh, by the end of this thing. So, Michaela, The Sound of Music was a big deal. Uh, made a lot of money. A lot of money. Whenever whenever you are talking about films and how much money they made, there's always the caveat that, well, The Sound of Music made $300 million almost uh, in 1965, which is equivalent to like, I don't know, like $14 trillion today or something. So, uh, made a lot of money and made a lot of critical acclaim, was nominated for 10 Academy Awards. It sure was. Um, it only won five of them. I say only. That's still a pretty pretty amazing number. It won for Best Picture. It won for Best Director, Robert Wise. It won for Best Sound, Best Editing, and of course, Best Score. Of course, best score. Yeah, absolutely. You will be singing these tunes in your sleep uh, when you get to uh, when you finally get to uh, get to rest after watching through this one. So uh, won those five. It lost five, though. Uh, lost best actress for Julie Andrews, best supporting actress for Peggy Wood. Uh, it lost for some reason best cinematography and color. Uh, it also lost best set, best set decoration and color and costume design and color because uh, the 1960s were a time where we were still celebrating uh, color films and black and white films uh, before uh, everyone just decided that color films were the only ones <laughs> worth uh, worth having around anymore, I guess. That's but right. Lost, lost cinematography, Michaela, which is odd because this movie starts off, it looks like a National Geographic documentary. It's beautiful. Uh, Austria, the Alps, lovely. Yeah. I mean, so I have a small uh, story to tell that's a personal story. My son loves films. He's always loved films. He is my child. Um, and when he was about two, we started uh, kind of collecting movies that we thought we could watch uh, with his little pad in the car or whatever. And because um, we love to travel. And one of his favorite films of all time was The Sound of Music. But it was really this the sequence that you're talking about this opening sequence because when it begins you hear this rush of wind and it's very um they must have done it on a helicopter or a plane but it, the 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 cadence of the camera is so smoothly done um it's, prob and it it's is, probably done on a hot air balloon probably maybe yeah yeah i mean that that seems more like it actually um because it's such a smooth kind of rendering of these shots. They're sweeping and grand and you see the top of these Alps and you hear the wind, but then you also start to hear the score of um, a bunch of the different amalgamations of the, of the different songs kind of come together. And um, it's really just beautiful. And I remember um, 
seeing an interview with Robert Wise and the cinematographer, and they were talking about this sweeping scene where they wanted to get to the top of this mountain and get to the close of the, as the top of this mountain as they could possibly get while still being in the air, <laughs> um, which sounds real dangerous. Um, and they, you see Maria played by the amazing Julie Andrews climbing at the top of this hill. And it literally like just cuts right as it's getting to her. And then of course you have the close up of her sweeping her arms around and singing, you know, the first bars of the hills are alive with the sound of music. And it's just the most amazing beginning to a film. And you automatically feel the grandness that this film's going to be, the epicness. Um, my son was two when he saw this, and he still says, I want to watch the mountain movie <laughs> because of this okay. scene. Um, and so why it didn't win Best Cinematography is beyond me. I don't get it. Um, but whatever. Dr. Zhivago won. Uh, I don't know. So uh, give us your thoughts if you think that that was just or not. But but yeah, so we get this movie started up. You get that most, um, you know, one of the most iconic uh, film uh, images of Julie Andrews in that field uh, kind of here in the in the very first, you know, 60 seconds of this movie. And uh, that sets up, yeah, for the the grand scale of uh, sort of this thing. So we get into the story a little bit. We're not going to go beat for beat through this thing because it is a lengthy one. But basically, we have Julie Andrews. She is a nun. She is playing Sister Maria. Um, and as it turns out, uh, the other nuns at the Sabby, uh, somewhere just outside of Salzburg, Austria, uh, are a little uh, hot and cold on Sister Maria. Uh, some of them think that she's whimsical and charming and lover singing. Some of them find her a little annoying and she could irritate what is like a irritating like a like a like a hornet out of a hornet's nest or something which is a which is a really sick austrian burn uh no doubt no doubt um but yeah so i uh, see so get kind of this first section don't know how how these other ladies are feeling about uh maria but she is going to be tasked with taking over uh charge of these children at captain von trapp's house yeah yeah, she's very much a free spirit and um the mother superior or the reverend mother played by Peggy Wood, uh, she is mm -hmm. the um, she she has been asked to help find Georg von Trapp, a uh, governess is what they called her um, for his mm -hmm. seven children. Um, that's a lot of children. Apparently, uh, Georg and his beautiful wife had all these children. And then unfortunately, she died. They don't talk about why. But um, he has. uh He's he's got a lot of love around him uh, for the service that he did to his country or did for his country. Um, he lives in this insane mansion on the I, I don't I, on the lake <laughs> near Salzburg. Um, mm -hmm. And Maria, you know, she is really very free spirited. She's supposed to be taking her vows very seriously, and she's got a lot of faith, um, which is wonderful. But she is also so lighthearted. Um, the other a lot of other nuns who have gone ahead and taken their vows, they think that she is needs a dose of growing up. And so Mother Superior sends her to go and uh, help out in this way. You don't know for how long it's supposed to happen or um, any of that. And so what we see is another kind of sweeping, beautiful kind of... Uh, montage of her walking and taking a train and taking a bus through the streets of Salzburg to get to um, their this mansion and she's building up her confidence and she sings I have confidence which is a really <laughs> which is a really good thing um, because she's scared but she's like I'm gonna figure this out I'm gonna get this done um, <laughs> Michaela sings it to herself every day every day I have problems with my confidence so I sing it all the time I have got confidence in sunshine um, that, but I right. love it I love the, uh, this, the, again, I don't know if they, did they, they might have not, I don't know why it didn't win for set direction because some of these places were actually in Salzburg. Um, but this house is amazing. Um, and of course, Maria being super curious and free spirited, the first thing she does when she gets into that house, she goes and looks around, <laughs> which is not the way, thing she's supposed to be doing. And she meets Captain Von Trapp and his whistle. And his whistle. That's right. Yeah, I love um, she's sent to uh, take care of these kids. And, uh, you know, Mother Abbess uh, says uh, that there's seven. And she's like, seven? Yeah, because seven kids is a lot of kids. And she is there to take care of them. Uh, you mentioned the house. The house is beautiful. Um, the house has this uh, crazy scope and scale that I'm not 100% sure how in 1965 uh, that they had wide enough lenses to capture this whole thing. Um, I don't know how it was shot, but uh, the 
the modern sort of you know cleaned up versions of this look amazing um as you're kind of going through this house and yeah it's in through this uh very uh ornately decorated uh room there when she's uh first meets uh you know, father, Captain Georg Von Trapp uh, there who comes out and uh, blows his whistle and calls his seven kids. So we've got seven. I'm going to run through these here real quick. We've got Liesel, uh, Louisa, Friedrich, Kurt, Brigitta, Marta, and Gretel. Um, but don't feel bad if you don't remember them because even sister Maria doesn't remember uh, all of these kids' names. Kurt. Kurt is who she forgets uh, as uh, she's there on the first night. And it turns out that these kids uh, have a bit of a disciplinarian as a father. Uh, which which fair if you're if you're a single dad and you have seven kids uh, you know keep those kids in order right you one one uniform to wear I'm gonna blow this whistle you're gonna come down stand at attention uh, no time for fun because uh, there's too many of you <laughs> can't be bothered uh, don't ask um, but uh, yeah apparently these kids have a little bit of you know trouble with their uh, with their caretakers and like to uh, razz them up and that is exactly what they do to Maria on the first night they try to get the best of her but Maria is not one to be swayed by these kids uh, ill intent with a frog in the pocket she is there for the long run that's right and uh, I love how it sh it really does speak to her character because at dinner she, first of all she's late they talk about her being late at dinner in the abbey and she's no different here she's late for dinner um but she does she first she makes she, she makes them pray which i think is kind of funny um because they uh, they they should be a faithful family if they're asking the church to send them a free governess <laughs> but whatever um so they they pray and then she wants to she like goes out of her way to thank the children for making her first day feel so great. And then they all start crying because they feel guilty. It's very Catholic. Uh, <laughs> and so then um, they've kind of decided at that point, maybe they should rethink their, their ways. Um, but Maria is not dissuaded because she understands that something else is amiss here. Captain Von Trapp is uh, a disciplinarian for sure, but it's not just because the kids, uh, there are seven of them and he can't deal with that. He also is still kind of mourning his wife. Um, uh, the other caretakers in the house uh kind of let maria know that you know they they used to do singing they used to do they used to laugh a lot there was dancing and parties they had a whole ballroom uh, that she had seen earlier when she was kind of searching through the house and all of that stopped when his wife died and so you know they think that um, the other caretakers believe that uh, captain von trapp is going away to vienna um, in the morning after this, and he is going and seeing this woman who's this baroness, and he's been spending a lot of time with her, and maybe that um, they are going to get married. And so now Maria is filled with this new sense of purpose. She's going to help prepare all these kids for a new mother, and she's just, you know, this isn't going to be a permanent thing, and it, it's really great. Um, and meanwhile, we have our very first, like, love song, Young Love young love yeah that's right it's it's well it's it's maybe my favorite of the of the singing performances uh 16 going on 17 but i love how this gets set up because liesel uh the oldest uh daughter there she just stands up in the middle of dinner walks out no one says anything to her uh she is on her way out to uh meet up with her one true love that is rolf uh they're out uh, alongside of this lake uh singing um and i i really love this one there's a there's a lot of big scale and scope and when you get to like do re mi uh that's like this big Big, like over the top like through like the entirety of like the austrian countryside and the right. city of salzburg as they're going through but this one is a little bit more intimate and i love they have like this dance sequence i'm kind of in this glass atrium gazebo sort of thing and it looks really epic um it's it's a really nice kind of more intimate uh moment because uh there's seven kids so most of the times in in this thing there's a huge number of people on the screen at a time but this is a little bit a little bit more um kind of dialing in to uh kind of the more love aspects and you know the growing up of Liesel and uh what that could mean for the family and things like that yeah no, and I definitely like this part because at first you really think the children are kind of these monsters. I mean, it's just, they don't seem very nice, but this really humanizes um, Liesl. And uh, the problem is, is she has this really amazing kind of first love with Rolf and Rolf, um, Rolf is played by Daniel Truhit. Um, and he's, you know, he definitely looks uh, like a 15, well, he's 17, but he looks like a 15 year old boy. He rides a bike and he is um, a telegram deliverer. And you find that he is um, 
you know, really part of the history of what is happening in actuality in Austria. Um, Germany is starting to kind of spread its um, power around. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how to say this. It, we haven't um, had the Auschwitz yet, where they basically come in and annex uh, the mm -hmm. country of Austria and say, yeah, you're part of Germany now. That has not happened, but it happens throughout the course of the film. But he is um, kind of concerned for Liesel's dad because he says, look, you know, Liesel's dad is very much uh, a pro-Austrian, anti-German kind of overtaking Austrian person. Um, and he's very vocal about it. And that could get him into trouble as things move forward. And of course, Liesel is young. She's 16. She's like, oh, the emperor loves him. It'll be fine. Um, and then they have this um, this beautiful song between them. But she gets locked out uh, because it's it's pouring outside. And it, at this point, it's probably really late. Um, and so her, her, I guess, way to get in is to climb up the side of the building and go into Maria's bedroom while Maria is praying in, on her bed um, and asking God to bless all the children. So <laughs> I, I love this scene because uh, she doesn't even seem that concerned that Liesel is climbing into her bedroom at first. Um, she doesn't stop praying. Uh, Liesel is trying to talk to her and she's like, whoop, just give me a second. She finishes and then she says, you know, hey, what were you doing out there? And she's not super judgmental about it. She's not like, how dare you? You look awful. Your dress is ruined. Um, and so there's this really great kind of bonding that happens because she's like, you can't tell father. And Maria is like, look, I, let's just let's go soak your dress because it's a mess. Um, and dresses were expensive back then. You couldn't just go to the place and get them. So uh, come back. Let's sit down on the bed. And we're going to have a little chat. And uh, and you really feel like she's taken on this motherly kind of um, role um, and a friendly role um, because you know that then she's then probably going to have a conversation about like boys in general and what's appropriate and what's not appropriate and all of that. Um, but again, in a really good hearted way, in a good natured way, instead of what her father would have done. And so this is one of my favorite scenes um, for that reason. Yeah, she's coming in. You get all the kids there, uh, to which uh, Maria is going to uh, try to calm them all down uh, by saying these are a few of my favorite things. Uh, you know, don't worry about the uh, thunder and lightning outside. Uh, think about, uh, you know, uh, raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Uh, but Captain Jörg von Trapp is not pleased. He says, uh, no more singing. Get back to your bed. I don't care if there's a thunderstorm. Uh, kids, good night. Uh, Maria, I told you what time bedtime was. Will you pay attention and listen to the rules? And Maria says, okay, okay, I will. But uh, Maria doesn't. Uh, what does she do instead? She takes her drapes, uh, turns them into some play clothes for the children because Maria is an excellent seamstress. Uh, she can do all this. Uh, I don't know. It's probably over the course of some time, but it seems like it happens over Day. And when Captain Georg heads out of town, he is going to Vienna uh, to pick up uh, his pals, the Baroness and Max. Uh, Maria is going to take these kids out and give them a wee bit of a singing lesson. Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. That's right. Um, this scene is also one of my favorite scenes because it, like you said before, it's got these really sweeping um, kind of we should have started we of, should have started a favorites counter for we should have really we should have really uh, <laughs> i'm at two i think you're at one um but i love this because they they have this beautiful montage of them singing in different places they're on they're on like a horse and buggy they're riding bikes through this really beautiful meadow they're uh, having a picnic on the side of these mountains um and it is then that uh i think it's important to note the children finally admit that the reason why they've been so awful to all of the governesses is that's the only time they get attention from their father. And so she's, uh, Maria is like, oh, well, we're going to have to think about that because, you know, we can't, that this isn't sustainable and you can't, um, that's, that's not a good way to be around your children. And he will regret that. She already kind of um, seems to see more in him as a person than just this person than this captain who's shouting orders and whistling and things. There's a couple of um, really good points where she'll say certain things to him and he'll be taken aback and look at her and they capture that really beautifully on film. Um, so there's a little bit of foreshadowing of what's to come there. Um, they're really enjoying their time. Uh, and it's, we're not clear how long this is happening, but it's probably weeks and weeks and weeks 
uh, of them doing all these outings and going to all these places and learning uh, aspects of singing. Um, I thought as a kid, this was all you really needed to know. I had no idea that there was like a scale and like, you know, musical sheets that you needed to read. I thought if you could sing Do Re Mi, you were good to go. That's all you needed. That's right. I, that's that's uh, more or less true. Yeah, you just uh, sing uh, the things in order that you want to sing them in, uh, put in words instead of uh, do re mi, and you are good to go. Yeah, she teaches them how to sing. It's this big uh, sort of epic uh, dance number as it goes all through town, like you said, and it ends up kind of with the the children are up like climbing these trees as uh, Captain Captain Von Trapp comes back with the uh, Baroness and Max sees these kids in a tree and later realizes that, oh, those were not uh, neighborhood ruffian kids. Those were my kids. Uh, Sister Maria, what are you doing? You failed me once again. You're fired. Get out of here. Uh, but something good is going to happen because the kids had learned a song to sing for the Baroness and Max and they are inside uh, doing a wee bit of a performance. Uh, Captain Von Trapp goes in, sees the kids singing. The kids haven't sang, uh, maybe since his uh, his wife died. I don't know for sure. Uh, but his uh, little Grinchy heart grew three sizes that day. Uh, and he says, Sister Maria, uh, I changed my mind. You can stay. You are all right. Uh, the kids are singing. Uh, you know what you should do now is put on the creepiest puppet show of all time <laughs> for me. And I'll love it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so they bring, they don't... So the Baroness is there with Uncle Max. Uncle Max is uh, one of my favorite characters. Um, and I, I hear uh, through looking at the history of how this film was made that um, all of the, the kind of supporting characters were painstakingly decided upon um, by the casting crew um, uh, because they needed to be just right. And I think that uh, Max Detweiler, played by the amazing Richard Hayden, he is perfect in this. All he cares about is money. He's very, very open about it. Um, he and uh, the Baroness Elsa von Schreider, uh, played by Eleanor Parker. Uh, Eleanor Parker is amazing in this because she's very beautiful and she has this amazing, like, sultry uh, accent. Um, but um, von Schreider and Matt and Uncle Max, they're good friends. And Max is like, hey, when are y'all going to get married? Because I really need y'all to combine your fortunes. And by the way, uh, I'm in charge of putting together this really amazing festival for Austria. And he hears these kids sing and he's like, oh, they need to be at the festival. They need to sing. I mean, this is amazing. Seven singers in one family. This is so cool. So he buys them this, this, and he's, I guess he's got plenty of money, but he buys them this giant puppet show thing with all these puppets. And I don't know, you think it's creepy? I like the song. The song's fun. The yodel. Well the the song is fun and actually and, and the the puppeteering uh the puppetry uh is nice too there's a lot of puppets going on i guess that's one of the benefits of having uh seven kids plus maria is you can have a lot of puppets on there uh they are kind of okay, pu puppets in general are kind of creepy to be honest um yeah it is it is a fun song and yeah you have you have won over the hearts and minds of everyone maria so now you know you are in it to win it you're here with these kids uh, having a good time you're teaching them how to dance there's a big ball uh, that uh, Captain Von Trapp is throwing there at the house in this very beautiful room. Uh, Maria and the kids are kind of outside and they're going through the dance. And, uh, you know, the captain sees Maria dancing and says, hmm, I think uh, you shouldn't be dancing with the kids. You should dance with me instead. So they're going to do that. And Maria starts to get the feelings. And uh, you're a nun. You're not supposed to be feeling those feelings. So Maria says, I am <laughs> out like the Jedi. door. I am back to the nunnery. Uh, get, get me out of here. I, I can't handle this. I'm going to sneak out and be on my way. Yeah, no, she, um, yeah, this scene is great, uh, but it's also really hard. It, she's helped. Let's, let's be honest. She's helped because Baroness Schreider uh, or Schrader also sees, uh, this happening and she can tell because this, the acting is really good. I don't think these actors actually got along <laughs> in real life. Uh, but Christopher Plummer and Julie Andrews during this dance scene, they look like they are like mesmerized by each other. Like they don't care who's looking. It is um, palpable for a child to see um, and still, uh, but, and it's, it's not sexual at all. It's just beautiful. Like this love that they kind of are emanating from each other. It's very, very uh, interesting. And of course, Schrader sees it, Baroness Schrader sees it. And so of course, when she kind of, when Maria comes to her and, they're trying to uh, talk about this. Baroness is like, oh yeah, you're a, you're in love with him and he's in love with you. And she's like, oh, I can't do this. I'm about to be a nun. Like I gotta go. So she leaves and she just leaves a note, um, which 
devastates the children. It's so sad. Um, and, and that's kind of the end of the first half, right? Because I think this is where the entrance or the intermission is is happening. And so it's a really good spot because you don't know what's going to happen next. And you're very much on a cliffhanger about how they're going to figure this out. Um, but we're not going to have an intermission here at Drink the Movies because we got we to gotta move forward. That's right. Yeah, we're going to mix up another My Favorite Things and then we're going to carry on. So Maria gets back to the to the nunnery and uh mother abbess says uh you know maybe maybe that's okay maybe that's uh maybe that's your purpose is to to go and be in love with this guy and uh take care of his seven kids so go back out and god will let you know uh what's what so uh she ends up uh kind of reluctantly going back to the house says i will just be here until we find someone else because i still uh still can't uh handle these feelings i got feeling for you right now uh captain von trapp uh but she goes and those feelings are not meant to get in the way uh because they are meant to get married and that is what happens that's what happens yeah they, you know, I, Georg, I don't understand Georg von Trapp and this whole thing because he doesn't seem to be really into the Baroness. He calls her his savior at one point in the movie, and you don't really understand why. She he needed does not... someone to watch the kids full time is what he needed. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Um, but they decide they're going to get married. And then like the next day, Maria shows up and the Baroness can just see there's, there's, this is not good. Uh, and so... Um, I really do like the scene where they kind of break up because he starts to do kind of the whole, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> and, you know, whenever this was supposed to be 1938 and she's like, no, you know what? It is you. It is totally you. Um, I need someone that needs me desperately and you don't. So I'm going to, I'm going to pack my bags. But she does kind of say, look, I, I know you're in it with, uh, you're, you're in love with Maria. You should go do that. And so that's really kind of nice. And then there's this really uh, kind of darkly um, shot scene of them in that same gazebo with Rolf and Liesel. And they're kind of talking about how uh, the captain and Maria are, are talking about how he's not going to marry the Baroness anymore. And he doesn't understand why she came back. And they kind of admit their feelings for each other and they, you know, kiss. And it's very chaste. And yet it's really not. Um, I remember as a kid being uncomfortable with how like kind of just in the moment they were, they were really like in love, but it's, um, like it's 1965. So it's, it's, it's a beautiful example of how you can um, show passion and love in a way that is still like not tons of like sex and nudity. Um, I really liked that. And then they go into singing probably one of my least favorite of the songs, which is uh, I must've done something awfully good uh, or mm -hmm, awfully mm -hmm, good, I think mm -hmm, is the mm -hmm. actual name, um, th but they're singing Christopher Plummer is singing. That's kind of a neat thing. But yeah, they're just kind of making out in this gazebo and then they get married. It's great. That's right. That's right. Chris, Christopher Plummer does a little bit of singing. He's sang uh, Edelweiss there in the uh, in the first act, uh, which is nice. Uh, he's not a, not quite as uh, vibrant of a singer as Maria, but uh, but he has some uh, some pretty good singing chops, too. And yeah, like it's like you said, they are in love. They are uh, getting married. It is a it is a quick turnaround here for these two. Um, and they are headed out of town on their honeymoon. Now, Uncle Max. Uh, he has some big plans. He says, I'm throwing this shindig where everyone's going to come and sing about Austria and why they like Austria and stuff like that. Um, and I want your kids to go. And Captain Georg has uh, very much been like, I don't want my kids doing that. They don't need to go do that. Uh, my kids are not show ponies. Uncle Max is what he says. Um, but when he goes on to uh, goes out to do the honeymoon, uh, Max is going to sign the kids up to do it anyway. And also, bad news, Nazis are coming into town. Uh, they said, Austria, you're ours now. Uh, so everyone is going to go to do this thing. It's going to be a sort of a unification uh, concert uh, sort of thing. And now the kids are on the hook for it. Uh, so what does, what does Captain Von Trapp and Maria decide to do? They say, we're going to get out of town. We're not interested in that. It's time to go. Don't want to be any part of this. Want to get far away from here. Uh, but unfortunately... On the way out, they get stopped. They get stopped. Yeah, they, uh, <laughs> this, I'm going to say it wrong. The Gulletier, Hans Zeller. Uh, he mm -hmm. was, we, mm -hmm. we meet him in the first half. We meet him at the very first party where they sing so long farewell. Um, and it's the party that introduces the Baroness to everybody. And, um, you know, there is no love lost between Captain Von Trapp and Mr. Zeller. Um, 
they do not get along because Hans is definitely pro pro Nazi, pro the Third Reich. He keeps telling everyone to heil Hitler, and he will not let them not heil him back. It's very uncomfortable to watch these days. I mean, even Uncle Max is like, uh, uh, Heil Hitler. Yeah, whatever, dude. Um, and so they, um, Mr. Zeller has arranged for Captain Von Trapp to be sent back into the naval base. And he has been requested to be commissioned and go out to sea immediately, probably for certain death um, because of his outspokenness against um, the uh, annexation by the Third Reich. And so they're like, yeah, we don't have freedom of speech here. If you're going to say those things, we'll just have you killed. And so, yeah, they're trying to leave. They get stopped in the street because of Fortunately, um, their butler is kind of on the Third Reich side and uh, rats him out. And you, as a kid, I did not realize that that's what would hap- was happening. Um, but that's ha- one of the things that if you're going to take something away from an educational standpoint, that's something that everybody had to do is you they would have uh, people rat on you and tell everybody your business if they didn't think that you were on the up and up as far as being supportive of Germany and Nazism and all that horrible stuff. So um, yeah, they, they end up having to go to the festival and giving a performance in like these beautiful, again, their traveling clothes are beautiful. I don't know why, I don't know why this didn't win best costuming because it's, it's extraordinary, but they are singing more of the same music that they sang the entirety of the film before. But they do give, uh, Christopher Plummer gives a beautiful rendition of Edelweiss. um, And he says, as he says goodbye to the country, because he tells them he's going to be leaving um, to join the Navy. And of course, all the people start singing. And it's a really sweet, beautiful moment. I really like how they kind of play on um, kind of that first rendition of uh, So Long, Farewell. Uh, Peter Zane, uh, goodbye, because all the kids were uh, leaving kind of one one by one to go up in and go to bed. And they do that kind of same sort of routine here at this show. But that is, you know, basically basically getting the kids uh, shuffled off so they can uh, make their way out to safety. So as everyone, you know, is kind of leaving, it just seems very natural that they would be, you know, exiting, exiting uh, stage right, as it were. So um, they are they are headed out, uh, you know, every <laughs> kind of dawns a little late on uh, on hair. Uh, Herr Zeller that uh, everyone is uh, making their making their way out of the country. Uh, he gets there, but not in time to uh, stop them before the family Von Trapp is able to flee to safety. And we are uh, seeing them uh, at the very end as they're walking uh, through this meadow um, in the Swiss Alps. Now they have made it uh, from Austria to Switzerland um, and uh, reached their safe haven. So uh, that is kind of where it ends. It's uh, it's the uh, musical about the Von Trapp family and uh, being being united over the love of singing uh with sister maria now now mother mother maria of the of the van traps mother of van trap i guess so uh michaela uh i don't know sound sound of music it is it is a classic of classics um it's always in the the top list of movies and movies you must see before you die and and all of these things and it's really broken up kind of into the into the two parts you have the you have the good fun part uh in the first act there and you have the mm-hmm. uh the more uh, somber uh, real world uh, implications of the the second act, but uh, sound of music. Uh, tell me about your uh, history with it. Hmm. So I I remember my dad. Uh, he was a master of the VHS. Dad, if you're listening, I still remember all three thousand movies that you taped uh, off of the TV, and this was one of them. Um, and this, like, you were completely correct. This is, this was a two evening part. Uh, you had, you know, part one on a Monday and part two on a Tuesday or something. And, uh, it was always around Christmas. Cause I remember the Christmas commercials, um, in 1986 when, when this was filmed, um, well, when my dad taped it, not when it was filmed, but, um, so I remember seeing this from probably the age of six on, it is one of those, uh, films that, I think you can watch at a very young age. You're not going to understand all the ins and outs. You'll understand like the overarching, like Maria versus the captain versus the children aspect. I think you'll get that very, I think you'll get that aspect of Maria versus captain versus children and that kind of love. And I think you'll get that as a child. Uh, You probably will not get the underscore, which is probably the bigger, um, the bigger story, which is, Mm -hmm. 
you know, the Third Reich and the Nazis coming into Austria and the family feeling the pressure of not being able um, to live in that world and not wanting to live in that world and then physically having to escape um, in a very dangerous way. Um, you probably won't get that as a child, but I've watched this uh, at least once a year. Um, like I said, it was one of my son's favorite first movies of all time. Um, and he still, it was amazing this weekend when I sat down to watch it. He, as soon as I turned it on, he was like, oh, it's the mountain movie. And he sat with me and uh, watched the whole thing. I, and I, which is amazing because he's not even eight yet. <laughs> um and he struggled to understand kind of why they were running away at the end and things like that Mm -hmm. but um but it was a good learning good learning moment for sure i I love this film i mean yeah it's real long it is real long um but i i still love it (laughs) what about you when did you watch this for the first time yeah for sure it's it's one of those things and i think kind of the the first act is is more lighthearted. it's more fun it has all of the music plus it's really kind of your takeaway as you see this as a youngster um so that's kind of why everyone loves that that first section because that's the part you remember and then it gets more into like i said into that story driven part in the second where as as a younger kid you don't really uh necessarily understand the ins and outs of what's actually happening there it doesn't have you know as as good of tunes in the second one it's it's a very much uh more somber uh feeling kind of thing so you could really kind of split this up into two separate movies if you wanted to you could literally just watch up through the first intermission and it's pretty much a fully contained story kind of in that um and the second one is in the second act is kind of a more uh fully contained story so you could you could almost treat it as as two movies if you really wanted to but but yeah same as you Michaela this was on on TV every kind of holiday ish season i remember watching it uh there um you know, a bunch of times growing up, I remember, um, you know, having like the VHS, like actual like copy of it, which looked just massive sitting on the shelf because it was this big uh, double VHS set. And it was in that bright mm-hmm. kind of baby blue uh, sound of music thing that, you know, kind of kind of color matched um, Julie Andrews uh, dress there in that uh, opening scene uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a movie that is you know, stood the test of time in the way that a lot of musicals uh, do sound of music, wizard of Oz, um, stuff like that are things, you know, that, that, you know, at least kids of our, our generation and before would have grown up with, you know, a network television and uh, things like that and movies of the week. So it'll be interesting to see. And we talked, um, I just mentioned wizard of Oz. We talked about this in our wizard of Oz episode of how kind of the, you know, the legacy of stuff like um, of this and of that are going to, to carry on now that you have an infinite number of uh things to watch you know any minute of the day if you if you so choose it's not going to be you know sort of the family event to sit down and watch so it'll be interesting to see how that changes here over the next you know 10 12 20 years uh stuff like that yeah. but yeah i mean it's it's one of the all-time classics um it's one of the all-time uh great musicals for sure and uh definitely got all the accolades and and the money to prove for it um i don't i don't know i need to go back and watch uh dr Zhivago um to see because apparently the cinematography on that must have just been like next level like i don't even i don't even uh understand it for sure but it, it's so beautiful and the current remasterings of this look just exceptional um they must yeah. uh, they must have just like the original prints just locked away in some vault somewhere where they can just go in and uh touch them up whenever they want because it looks fantastic and you can see it on disney plus if you have that um watch the whole thing i was hoping they might have a sing-along version on there but i didn't see one so no no but i mean if you're a true fan you're just gonna sing along anyway right <laughs> you make your own make your own yeah what they did have a sing-along uh to was julie andrews had a lifetime achievement award maybe last year i think they um honored her uh, they were going to honor her i think in 2020 but covid uh ruined that but um she managed uh, to be present and they had this big, um, kind of lifetime achievement award. And then they had, uh, the remaining of the seven Von Trapp children, uh, got on stage and went around and, and sang Do Re Mi. And it was really actually quite touching. Um, you can Google that and it's on YouTube somewhere, but that moment is really special. Um, I definitely watched that after watching, uh, this version or this, you know, this iteration of sound of music. Um, it's amazing to me because it's, it's, it's really stood the test of time so well, like you said, with the remastering of um, the the film, it's glorious and beautiful. The color is still just as rich as I remember it being as a child. Um, and so it, it will be interesting to see 
how it stands the test of time going forward when you have other choices um, of things to watch and you're, you're, you basically can watch anything, anytime. Uh, mm-hmm. what, a, what a world, what a way we, we live in. But I, I still think it's, it's so worthy. Um, I saw Dr. Javago and I remember it, it completely ripping my heart out. So I need to revisit that and see what the big deal was as far as the cinematography. Cause I, I don't remember. Um, but that's just because I'm, I don't remember. So yeah. Uh, more, more to come. Uh, another three-hour film we're going to cover on the drink the movies. Maybe next year, because um, we're gonna we're gonna have quite a few of these as we go through the Oscars. But Doctor Shivago is on the list. There we go. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that is Sound of Music. Uh, let us know at home uh, what your kind of early memories of Sound of Music are. What your favorite song from the Sound of Music is. Uh, let us know if you make a favorite things cocktail because we want to see pictures and all of that stuff. Uh, you know, you can tag us on our Instagram and Twitter and Hive. It's at Drink the Movies and on Facebook.com/slash Drink the Movies. If you want to see pictures of uh, our favorite thing uh, cocktail we made and episode recaps and all that stuff, you can do that on the website, which is www.drinkthemovies.com um, and. And you're going to want to make sure you are following along with the podcast because next week, Michaela, we are talking about something that that won all of the awards except for one, and that's Saving Private Ryan. We're going to get into all of that uh, next week. So you're going to want to make sure that you get subscribed. Michaela, where can they do that? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Good Pod, any place where Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Uh, we do two drops a week. Um, this is separate from our Patreon Uh and we do our lobby bars, which are fun cocktails and talking about the box office. And then we do our deep dives as well. Um, subscribe if you like it. And if, you, and if you're liking what we're doing, leave us a message. Send us, send us a request. We love talking with our community. You guys have built up a really fun group of folks that love cocktails and movies alike. And man, it's just awesome that we get to do it with you. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Michaela, now that we've uh, we've made it through this musical, uh, you're you're you actually didn't uh, sing at all. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I was expecting more singing, but that's okay. That's okay. We'll say we'll save it. We'll save it for the next uh, the next musical for sure. So, um, I don't know. Let's go mix up another one of uh, my favorite things, and then yeah, we're gonna next week's gonna be heavy. Seven Prep Ryan. So we're gonna have to uh, have to get a drink and uh, find a cocktail for that one. So let's do that, and we will talk to everyone next time on. Drink, drink the movies. the movies. Small and white, clean and bright. You look happy to meet me. How's that for singing? I can't. I've got a sore finger. Oh, I think I've gotten Friedrich's teeth. <laughs>